0: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, beautiful day. It's quite uh, a little cool here in New England. Uh, it's getting dark at 4 o'clock. Stuff is getting annoying. But anyhow, um, hope everyone is doing well. It's been a, again, this is a very humbling experience being able to do this on a weekly basis, uh, share the knowledge I have, and um, It's been wonderful and, again, truly humbling how many people have reached out, um, email, uh, text message, phone call. A lot of you guys are coming out for evals uh, this year and next year. Um so I try to respond to everyone and that's why I give my cell phone number out so again I'll give you all the contact information at the end of this episode. So we're going to revisit borderline personality disorder again. And the reason is I I got a plethora of phone calls, texts and emails this week about the other side of borderline personality. Um, what it's like to be in a relationship with somebody with this psychiatric condition, whether that is a parent, um, whether that is a sibling, a, a significant other, a spouse, uh, even, even a friend, because borderline personality is a relational disorder. That is where you will see the symptom manifestation. Uh, so let's just kind of, uh, can kind of go back just basic foundation um, personality theory on uh, the episode I did on, I think that was a few months ago um, personality in and of itself which is really our which really kind of who we are um, it's our belief about ourself our belief about other people our belief about the world in general and the therefores The conclusions that we draw based upon the framework of those different ideologies. So if we take borderline at a a basic level, it it kind of plays out like this. I am unstable. Other people dictate and determine my sense of self and self-worth. The world is a scary and unpredictable place therefore i will do whatever however whenever whether it transcends my better judgment to stave off any sense of real or perceived abandonment and that is the cornerstone even though there's you have to meet five to nine of the diagnostic criteria for be diagnosed with borderline personality um And there's 120 different combinations of how those different uh, symptoms manifest. Um, It is, uh, I I can't think of anybody that I've diagnosed, whether it's a child, adolescent, adult, um, I've diagnosed with borderline personality that I've not diagnosed with comorbid or co-occurring clinical disorders. uh, Anxiety, depression, bipolarity schizophrenia and that's often what brings the person into treatment because something hurts uh, I think you know from this podcast I think a lot of people again these 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 episodes on borderline tend to be the ones that I get the most calls and, and, and most attention is do I have it uh, does somebody in my family have it does my child have it does my parent have it uh, possibly <laughs> Um the you guys who follow the program are not going to be surprised what I'm going to say next. The only way to know is to get a full neuropsycheval. There is no other way to know with certainty what the what any, any diagnostic picture is. That's why I'm such an adamant uh and proponent of full neuropsychevals prior to therapy. And, and and medication and borderline Julie or Mom, I'm I'm sure if i mentioned this or Julie mentioned this but borderline is typically medicated like bipolarity even though there is no medication so it being in a uh, relationship with somebody with borderline and independent of what what context it is whether it's you know parent child uh, significant other the, uh, that's where you're going to see the symptom manifestation and Borderline Relationships, uh, I've worked with a lot of people who, and, and the stories are pretty similar. And, you know, the, the the best book out there to really understand if you are in a relationship with somebody, again, independent of the, the, the nature of the re- relationship, is Stop Walking on Eggshells. You know, I do a lot of free marketing to people over here. Um, but it, it's a great book. Because when you're in a relationship with somebody with borderline personality, you know, eggshells are very fragile and the borderline individual does not tell you if you if you look almost like a minefield, they don't tell you where they are. And if you if you it's like, like you walk on eggshells because the volatility of. Of the psychopathology in borderline personality can be, it can be mild, it can be moderate, it can be severe. That if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. And then somebody is entrenched in a relationship where they feel like, well, I can't leave, I'm not happy. But uh, if I leave, I can't take that risk. Again, the whole goal for the, the individual with borderline is protecting a very, very fragile sense of self. And I've said this in the episodes borderline personality is not only treatable. It is curable, but it, it does take work. But it manifests in in, in relationships, and it, it it can destroy a lot of relationships. And I don't really believe people are born bad. And individuals with borderline personality are not bad. But if you're living a life where you're so fragmented and your self-esteem is, is, is so diminished that you have to be a chameleon, it's exhausting on the individual. And it's also exhausting on the per- person or persons that are in relationship with them because, it, you know, none of us are responsible. None of us can make anybody feel a certain way. And we do not have a responsibility independent of your relationship. You are not responsible to treat or cure somebody with borderline personality or psychiatric condition. You can be supportive. You can encourage them to get into therapy, encourage them to get a full neuropsych eval. but you're not responsible, even though many times they will make you feel that you're responsible. And kind of a a general theme from individuals that I've worked with in relationships with borderline personality, again, parent, child, spouse, relation, whatever. When it's good, it's heaven on earth. And when it's bad, it's hell. But if we go back to behavioral psychology and look at the different reinforcement schedules, intermittent reinforcement is the most powerful of all of the reinforcement schedules. So Las Vegas casinos are founded on this principle. So in a relationship with with with, with somebody with take, take a take a, a slot machine you say all right I'm gonna put in no more than ten dollars the wheel i don't even think they give you coins anymore but uh, you know one time doesn't pay out second time doesn't pay out third time doesn't pay out fourth time you're down your last few dollars it pays out so now you have evidence that this is going to give me something that i desire so it's releasing dopamine and dopamine is our pleasure neurotransmitter so you so what what happens is I'm gonna stay at the slot machine because I have evidence. Now I was only gonna spend ten bucks. Now I'm gonna go get another fifty and a hundred, and I'll endure all of the frustration of pulling the arm or pushing the button and not winning because I know that at some point it is going to pay out. And this is what happens in in relationships with individuals with borderline personality: is people will endure. Uh, the toxicity. They will endure verbal abuse. They will endure physical abuse because when the individual is not in that heightened state, uh, it, it's almost like being in a heightened, a constant state of, uh, of, of of fight or flight. When they're not in that state and everything calms down, everything's great. Movie nights are great. Dinner's great. Conversations are great. And that can last for periods of time. And so it's like, okay, this is great. So when they go up the deep end, It's like, uh, oh boy, and and it's very hard if, if you're in a relationship with borderline, somebody with borderline personality, it's very hard to get out of it because the person is, is an, an incredible amount of, of, of pain. Uh, but again, you are not responsible for being their doctor. You are not responsible for being their therapist, their medication provider. You can be supportive, but I think you also have to not allow, if you're in a relationship with somebody with borderline, to not allow them to destroy the parts of yourself that you believe and that you hold sacred. Uh, hurting people like to hurt other people. And individuals with borderline are hurting; they are fragmented; they are chameleons; they exert an inordinate amount of, of, of energy and effort to try to conform. But the, it, it's that abandonment of, of, of getting close because I they they, they like a borderline can not be in a relationship. A dependent they they need they have to be in a relationship, and, and you know there's a lot of similarities between borderline and dependency. Uh... Uh, somebody with borderline, they will use their voice and they could rip you apart. A dependent would never do that. So there's there's you know some subtle clinical, uh, clinical techniques and being able to kind of parse out between those, those two those two disorders and they're they're two different of a clusters of personality disorders. So, uh, if you're in relationship with somebody with borderline, one you need the accurate diagnosis. And not only do you need the diagnosis, you need to know how that diagnosis manifests idiosyncratic to that person. Uh, Again, these are not bad individuals, but these are individuals with a very, very fragmented sense of self. And they can put an inordinate amount of blame on people they're in a relationship with as you are the cause of their problems. And that is something that if you are in relationship, that you really have to stop and say, no. You own what's your stuff, and that person needs to own what, what their stuff is. And and again, back to the eggshells, there's a reason the book is called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Stop giving individuals with borderline pathology so much power that you have to navigate yourself, that you're getting out of psychiatric medications, that you're in psychotherapy, that you're self-medicating, because this person is is just annihilating you. In, in, in those times of of high, and they don't have distress tolerance. They're again that intense fear of real or imagined abandonment. I'll I will hurt you before you hurt me, or I I will push you away because I don't deserve this. And then once they push you away, they will. And, and until that anxiety level gets to a point that is incapacitating. When it hits that level, the borderline individual will do whatever, however, whenever, in whatever capacity, whether transcends better judgment, morals, upbringing, values, ethics, in order to bring the person back. In these relationships, you know, the, I think Jerry Seinfeld said once, uh, it, it takes a few pushes to knock over a soda machine. So many individuals stay in these relationships, um, and, it I, I see the impact it has on them, you know. It's like wow, I you I, know I, retrospectively, it's like I look and say, oh my god, my my, my wife, or this is this, this, this you're describing my child, or or you're, you're describing you know my 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 father-in-law or my 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 mother-in-law. This is a very real and 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 an all too common. Um, Disorder, but I just wanted to present a different perception of like, what is it like for individuals who are in a relationship with them in in, with somebody with borderline? It's very hard if, if they're not in treatment. It's very, very hard. Uh, and and I've worked with enough people who uh, have been married to, who are parents, who are grandparents, who are uncles, aunts, uh, best friends, uh, and, and you see the toll that it takes. And you, all, it's also interesting. You see, uh, at least I see how much responsibility the other person takes, and where they b- believe that they are the cause of the problem, that they are defective. Um, that's not true. That is not true at all. Now, if 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 you're being, you know, passive aggressive and psychologically manipulative, you know, say somebody had a neuropsychoval and you know they're diagnosed with borderline, yeah, if if you if you use that, you're exploiting that, yeah, that that that's on you but the, the vast majority of people that is not the case again it comes out and it's a sad realization to say oh my god does my does my wife have this does my does my husband have this does my child have this but this is a disorder again that is treatable and it is curable but it takes work but you also have to safeguard Your sense of self, that your, your self, self esteem, and not get, not get dragged down the rabbit hole to get to a point. And I've, again, ad nauseum, people, I've seen them, they, they have not, you don't, you don't develop borderline personality disorder. At later in life, that's not how personality theory, theory works um, or personality in, in, in in general, but it's, it's a very key component. If you are in a relationship with somebody with borderline that you are able to not able to not engage in the toxicity. Don't respond to the, to the, to the negative texts of, I hate you, you're, you suck, you're a jerk, you know, you make me cry, you do all this. There's a lot of projection in borderline. A lot of projection. But you have to, again, safeguard your sense of self. The best you can do is encourage people. And the thing, again, is step on the eggshells. If you go back to some of the episodes, there's only one reason people change. Some because they want to, not because they have to, not because they need to, not because a judge is telling them, a probation officer, a sparse, a spouse. Spouse, a partner Uh, It's only when somebody is uncomfortable Until they get to a place of saying I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting that way That is the only way somebody will change And I think the the Stop Walking on Eggshells book It's just the title But it's been It's it's been um, uh, 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 I think it's a very, very important tool In the people that I've worked with And you know, these are Borderlines are hurting individuals But that doesn't mean you have to hurt as well it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your happiness that you have to even worry about your your safety if if, if you leave me i'm going to kill you i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of threats in working with borderline there's a lot of externalization there's a lot of blame it in active treatment active working on this stuff this stuff starts to get muted And the intensity and the severity and the frequency start to go down. So in the untreated populations, I think is what I'm referring to the most, the people who are walking around with this disorder. And again, a huge reason of doing this podcast was to demystify mental health. Nobody, you know, a a cast is very obvious. Something is broken, damaged, strained injured okay that's obvious mental health doesn't have a face people don't walk around with signs saying i have depression i have ocd i have schizophrenia i have borderline personality would that make it easier i don't know um but mental health doesn't have this face and a huge part again of doing the podcast was 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 to shed light on on on, on the legitimacy of in the seriousness and, and and maintain parity between psychiatric conditions and and, and physical conditions. It, uh, I thought of it earlier. Um, explanation for behaviors does not equate, does not equate with justification. I'll say it again. Explanation of why somebody does something does not equate with justification. So say an individual with borderline is verbally abusive. Okay, we can say that stems from that intense fear of real or ab- imagined abandonment, that they're going to hurt you before you hurt them. That's the explanation, but it does not justify it. And you can stand up to these individuals, and that, that's what they need. They need to have the mirror that I've talked about many times. They need to have the mirror flipped and say, look, this is, this is your stuff. You need to get into treatment. You need to do something about it, and if you feel that you're in a place where you're questioning your, yourself and you're questioning, like it, I mean, do we all do things that aggravate our partners? It, it, of course, I do things that aggravate Julie. She does things that aggravate me. It's not intentional, um, but you know, but when you when you factor in psychopathology, it goes to a whole different level and a whole different explanatory cause. And I I just I have little I have little patience for people who complain and do nothing about it. You know, uh, we talked about, like, you know, the trans-theoretical model of the stages of change, the revised one by Prochaska DiClemente. Uh, sometimes people get in the pre-contemplation stage, even if they've, they've had a full and whatever their diagnosis is. It's like, okay, I know what I have, but maybe at some point I'll think about possibly considering maybe sitting down and looking for a therapist, but I'm, not, but that, that person is nowhere ready for therapy. Um, so again, if you're, again, the other side of borderline, this is really about not for individuals with borderline personality, but I think they could benefit from it. It's, it's a relational disorder. And I, I've seen it get to a point where it, it, it has caused so much toxicity and so much damage, uh, so much irreparable damage. Um, Again, the variety of reasons for the ontogenesis or the etiology of, of of you know a variety of psychiatric conditions, but but you have to you have to step you have to start st- start walking on the eggshells. Stop giving these individuals so much control and power over your happiness, over your right for peace, over your right for not having to sleep with one eye open. Again, it ranges a, a, a gamut, but it comes from that fragmented sense of self, and it is not your responsibility to put the super glue there. It is their responsibility to actively engage in treatment, acknowledge what is going on, accept the diagnosis, and do the work. And people who do the work, they get the results. It, it, it's pretty straightforward. Do the work, get the results is it a few years yeah this is not this is not something you treat in six months or you know and, and especially in older individ- individuals the, it, it it it's it's still treatable and curable but you know say you get something like their 40s or 50s these these thought patterns you know the i am the others are the world is these are really really ingrained and that's why i i, I strong opponent. the earlier you can get a neuropsychoval if you sense anything the qu- easier it is to tr- to 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 what's called cognitive restructuring from a cognitive behavioral perspective, uh, and, and, and behavioral modification, which is also part of CBT, uh, the, the easier, not to say easier, but, but yeah, I guess easier because you have less years of rehearsed learning over and over and over again. Um, so I just wanted to do this episode because I had so many people reach out this week with realizations that, um, their partner their 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 child their um significant other i don't know why this week sparked that but i just figured i would take something that was you know we wanted to talk about stuff that you guys are interested in and and really shed light on this is their stuff this is this is their their this is their these are their issues but it will play out in your relationships and people are more resilient than you think and you could push people and you can set boundaries, but do not engage in the toxicity. There's a magic button I tell people all the time that you need to use. It's called the end button on your phone. If you're in a, you know, this toxic, you know, verbal dialogue, um, you're getting multiple texts that are toxic. Don't respond because if you respond, you are reinforcing their behaviors. If, if you know, I use the example like with a class clown, if if the class stops responding, the behavior no longer serves a purpose. And the goal, again, from behavioral psychology is to get to extinction. Stop responding to the toxic behaviors of the individuals with borderline. As difficult as it may be and as emotional as they may be, there is a level of manipulation with borderline. And it's not it's not manipulation in the sense of like antisocial. It's the manipulation to get what they want, which is that sense of security, that sense of self, that sense of self-assuredness. And you got to be vigilant for that. You have to realize that that is that, that that is how they are operating constantly on fight or flight and survival mode, psychological survival mode. So, you know, don't fall for the manipulation. It's very easy to. It's very easy. I think if you're a parent and your child's in pain, it's kind of hard not to, you know, just human nature. is like, oh, you say something mean to me, I'm going to text something back to you. Or, you know, you say something mean to me uh, in a conversation, I'm going to say something mean. Stop that because it is having the paradoxical effect. It's reinforcing it. Okay. Uh, When you're done yelling, then I'll be happy to talk to you. So until then, I... And then what you're going to do, what's going to happen is you're going to, it's going to in spike the abandonment issues. And that's where you're going to see them either uh, significantly decrease it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. Let's have sex, you know, whatever. Or they're just going to lash out at you even more for you because you make me, you know, that anybody who says you make me feel that is completely, Completely inaccurate. I can't make anybody feel anything. People choose their own individual emotional states. So again, the goal is, you know, it's it's and that's why it's hard to get out of these relationships, you know, because there are good parts to people with borderline personality. It it in <coughs> excuse me. It's just it's it, they're not again. People aren't inherently bad, but these individuals are in so much pain. But you are not there. You're not responsible to fix them, but you you should hold them accountable. Don't engage in, in in negative dialogue. Stop the negative text messages. Stop the negative emails. And when you stop that, what you are going to expect is there's going to be an increase. They're going to up the ante. The text is going to keep pouring in. The, the phones are, the phone's going to ring 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 times. If you pick it up at the 90th time, that's the ceiling that becomes the floor because you eventually give in and are giving them what they want. And that is a sense of, uh, whatever they perceive as a sense of security. But again, I've seen so many people affected. By being in a relationship with, with an individual with borderline personality, independent, again, of what type of relationship it is, stop responding. You are actually helping them, ironically. Even if they're in distress, you're actively helping them. Because you're basically saying, I'm not tolerating this. I'm not going to be your doormat. You're not going to put everything on me. I will support you. I will drive you to your therapy appointments. I will go with you to your therapy appointments. I will read books. I will try to understand more. But I will no longer sit and stand idly by and allow you to allow your pathology to just trample over who, who we are as people. Uh, <coughs> excuse me again. So very, very important. Um, and those are the eggshells. You know, those are the eggshells. Does it get? Does it get? And and, and if you're concerned and somebody's threatening suicide, then call nine one one. Always there on the side of caution. Call nine one one and say this person is suicidal. Don't hesitate to hold the person accountable. Or if you perceive that they are a danger to themselves or other people, then get get the get nine one one involved. But you are not you do not have to be 911 and you do not have to be the doctor. It's getting them into a place of treatment and where they can become unburdened and, and, and be free from the depression, be free from the anxiety, uh, get on the right medication if there are other psychiatric conditions, because there is so much hope of this disorder. But the I'm really going I think I'm really kind of talking about the undiagnosed individuals with borderline who don't know that they have it. Or know that they have it or don't really want to know about it. Or, um, you know, the episode I did like on help rejectors, um, not, not a lot of patience uh, for those individuals. So, again, maintain your sense of sanity. Maintain your sense of self. Uh, own what is you. And don't be afraid to put back onto an individual's borderline what is them. You are not responsible for what happened to them. You can be empathetic, you can be understanding, you can be nurturing, you can be caring, but do no longer be the doormat. And it may be hard, and there may be loss, and there may be tears, and there may be, you know, s- sleepless nights, and there may be a lot of self-questioning and anxiety and depression, and that's okay. But it's preservation of your sense of self will actually help them to get hopefully to the realization that, hey, you know what? I need to do something about this because I'm tired of living this way. Um, hopefully this was helpful. Um, as always, uh, feel free to reach out to me at uh, com um, through Psychology Today. Uh, call, text me. Uh, My cell phone number, 617-750-9411, East Coast Time in the United States. Uh, Happy early Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Question everything and become independent of the good opinions of other people. Bye, guys.